0: He is a professional embedded software developer and very open to collaborate and contribute towards complex and challenging software projects from specification to sustenance utilizing his experience in embedded systems networking and product development he also has experience in designing and implementing application software he has good exposure as software architect Designing complex software modules using patterns-based approach and modular and extensible code. He strongly believes in providing world-class services and products to increase client experience or happiness, directly impacting the business outcomes. In fact, he is also fascinated with the intersection of various technologies and how they solve bigger problems. He always tries to make things simpler and comprehensible. When he is not with the currents, voltages, architectures and their manipulations, he indulges in history and cooking. Interesting. He also tries to keep things simple by trying to connect them to the first basic principles. Vamsi Balemarthi follows the idea of inventing in oneself. It is the greatest service that one can do for the society. It is only capable people that can change the world. That is the philosophy which he strongly believes in. So, folks, in today's episode, let's learn more about Vamshi's journey in becoming embedded software developer and also get his insights on embedded software architecture. I'm sure most of you might have heard about the regular software architecture in terms of understanding the design patterns that are involved to develop applications, be it the MVC pattern or any other pattern that you have come across. But How are these uh, software architecture for embedded systems different from the conventional software? Let us dive and learn more about it in today's episode. This is the Guiding Voice podcast series TGV for a better future. This podcast is to help professional students, IT employees and entrepreneurs to shape their careers. So, folks, in case if you have not rated and reviewed our podcast on Apple or Podchaser, request you to provide your rating and leave a candid review. This is your host, Navin Samala, and I have about 18 years of rich and diverse experience in the IT industry. In every episode, we interact with industry experts or thought leaders or academicians or coaches across the globe to drive some insightful conversations that will help each one of you learn some amazing stuff. Also, we share an interesting trivia or a fun fact towards the end. In fact, you will acquire more knowledge by tuning into TGV per every minute than any other podcast in this space. Thank you so much for tuning in and please to welcome Vamsi part of TGV's journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe. Vamsi, welcome to TGV.
1: Thank you very much, Naveen. It's my pleasure to be part of uh, TGV. Heard about it, regularly follow your posts on LinkedIn, engage with you and have seen a couple of uh, interactions that you have done with uh, Miss Pratima and other people. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot uh, for making me also part of this your journey.
0: Thank you, and it is absolute pleasure to connect with you. In fact, you have been posting some valuable content on LinkedIn and helping the fellow professionals learn, right? And I love the spirit. Keep uh, doing that. In fact, it is very inspiring. All right. So, without further much ado, let's get into today's conversation. So, Vamsi. I always ask my guests, what are top three things that have contributed you to become what you are today? Can you share with our audience?
1: Uh, the first thing would be uh, being uh, pragmatic or practical. Because uh, I believe uh, many people talk and uh, talking just will not yield results. They can inspire, yes, they motivate definitely. And uh, they can guide, give away, guide a person. It is as simple as uh, a holy master trying to show a path to the student. But the journey is supposed to be done by the student, which itself is an action. So that is one thing. And the second power thing is uh, attention to detail. Um, On a a higher surface, everything seems to be simple. Uh, Somebody may say that, what is there so much in running? But you run once to understand what is there in it. So being practical and attention to detail. And the third important thing is uh, dig deeper. It goes along with that uh, attention to detail, wherein you need to dig deeper to understand. So these all are uh, like uh, three legs of a chair or a stool that on which you can actually sit. Uh, Remove one thing, the the stool cannot stand, and you cannot sit.
0: Oh.
1: These are the top three things.
0: Quite, quite a fascinating set of thoughts out there. And I really loved uh, this statement that you made some holy master trying to guide the student. And students have to take the path themselves, right? And definitely, this having practical exposure is going to play a very critical role. Thank you for bringing that up. So, with that, let's uh, jump into today's core topic. And uh, during my intro, I mentioned the regular software is a bit different from embedded software, right? And uh, can we Highlight very briefly about how the embedded system software is different from the regular application software.
1: It's not a rocket science. The name itself says it is embedded, so you can't see it. That's the biggest thing that people uh, always stumble upon uh, when they start their journey with embedded software. People are used to gadgets, uh, those fancy and exciting uh, GUI. Sometimes uh, we see the world around us through our eyes, which is obvious. But people who are not having sight, they do perceive the world, but with their own senses. So embedded software, uh, I'm trying to draw a parallel between people who have sight and can see the world through their eyes. But there are people who can still perceive the world. What I'm trying to say is the world is around us. It's not going anywhere. But the means to which, which you are able to perceive the world and see the mechanism and the tools that you are using, they are differing. In the same way, just because I'm not able to see some software doesn't mean that a device which is silently sitting somewhere doing some repetitive task is not intelligent enough. It has its own intelligence and that software which sits there doing that activity day in and day out without disturbing you. Sometimes blinking a small LED to give an indication to you. These type of devices when you see, please understand that it's an embedded software. And there is a person behind that software who spent his days and nights designing and trying to make that software as much bug-free as possible.
0: You you made it very easy to understand. And in your introduction, I mentioned you love making things simple and comprehensible. In fact, I love that LED light example and all this. those devices that are silently working. There is a lot of hard work by professionals and there is ton of code that is running right behind the scenes. Wow, quite interesting. Yes. Now let's talk about the software architecture for the embedded systems. Like how is it different from the conventional software? Like are they same?
1: Yeah, the answer is both. Yes, it is same and it is also different. Same in the sense that uh, human factor that goes into design of the software and some architectures especially because uh, the language that people use, mostly the C language, that would be same. Uh, if at all, they are uh, trying to create uh, an application based on C and also trying to write uh, embedded C. Many of the constructs that are provided by the language are same. Uh, let me again take a very simple example. Everybody has their own mother tongue. There, there are books that, that people write and that were written and that will be written in that particular language. Going back some 200 years, some, somebody, a great poet might have written using the same language, but different vocabulary, a masterpiece. And today's generation, if we ask them, they understand that, okay, it's my mother tongue. I know that, but I'm sorry, I cannot comprehend the meaning of these words. What I'm trying to say is the usage of the language in both the domains, either an application domain and like when it comes to embedded software, there is a difference and when you come to architecture and all those things embedded devices really do not need such a, a big architectures that are needed uh, for user space applications and uh, GUI applications the so called uh, high fi design patterns and all those things yes we can we can adopt them they, there are there is good amount of literature which even speaks about that but a very rudimentary while one loop or an infinite loop is sufficient for an application decent complexity where you want to control some activator, enable something. And then embedded world is full of interrupts. It's like those distractions today, now we have the phone, the phone phone call or some message or some um, indication on the phone screen, which interrupts us in our daily activities. We are engrossed in our daily activities and suddenly we see something and we get distracted. Embedded devices are like that. It wants to do one activity, but somewhere some sensor will say, or some, some hardware device wants to get the attention of the CPU. Then it will write something called as interrupt. And the CPU gets interrupted, it was otherwise doing when it's routine task. And then it takes, it addresses that interrupt, and by taking by talking with that hardware, let me put it like this, and do whatever is needed. From that basic rudimentary while one loop or an infinite loop, that's so-called, is also called super loop. With interrupts, we can go and bring in grand structures. And during your, your the introduction also, you told there are uh, design patterns and MVC and all those things. All these things can be applied. But there is only one concern here. When these, these abstract things or high-level structures come into place, they tend to take space. So the choice is like, if your device can't, effort to have that space and it has small real estate to hold that content or the program logic, better not in to get those things. Otherwise, a decent operating system, which has uh, these high level things that can be incorporated at a, a very basic task, uh, which can be scheduled, be enough to address majority of the requirements of embedded systems. But uh, uh, depending on the application, people can go to higher level structures like uh, maybe a factory design pattern because you want to create something and uh, want to delegate something so you can can delegate something. So these sort of higher constructs also can be done. It is mainly driven by the requirements, very much more than a GUI application. On a GUI application, yes, so-called people want to, Uh, Make it user friendly and all those things. Here for an embedded system, it doesn't sound uh, very appropriate for me to talk something called as user friendly. You should always think of whether it is hardware friendly and requirement friendly.
0: Hardware friendly and requirement friendly. Wow, very thought provoking. And you mentioned about this abstraction and delegation, right? Are there any other top design patterns within this embedded world?
1: Not as a design pattern per se, I will say but there, there is a very famous uh, architecture sort of thing, uh, not a design pattern, like uh, we uh, like it very much. And I have seen that particular uh, mechanism to solve the problems, solving most of the embedded uh, related issues or requirements because embedded devices are mostly event-driven. Uh, from GUI also, yes, you trigger events for the software, but uh, embedded devices have events not just coming from the human interaction. It can come from any corner of the world. Somewhere, somebody, let us say rings a bell or steps on, uh, on a doormat. And if there is a sensor, your hardware has to detect it and it has to respond. So anything, anywhere physically outside can become an object of interest. And the data that can be derived from it can be an object of interest for an embedded system. Now these are all events that are getting triggered. So somewhere somebody has to sit quietly and then start looking at devices to see whether any device is giving me an event or not, which calls for a beautiful architecture called state machine. The reason being that, uh, let us say, if somebody creates an event, so a series of host steps has to be done. What after getting the event, what should I do, do I have to co- I get it converted. So. What is the clarity to which I have to convert, or what is the precision to which I have to convert that number? And do I have to store it, display it, or do I have to do some more modification to that by adding, subtracting, dividing? All those things are some things which you have to do after getting the data from that particular external entity. So these all can be very comfortably devised using state machines. And I can tell you very simple state machine, and CU language has it already which is a switch statement. So switch statement all based on one state of one variable, being it true or false or its value being n, n plus one, anything, one of the cases can be picked up. If else, all those things are state machines, but we want to understand here, like, uh, because we are in an infinite loop, I need to push from one state to another state, depending on some mechanism. Let me not digress much into the programming or technical aspects, but. At a higher level, a state mission moves from one state to another state, wherein one state can do X number of activities. And then it triggers the second state by providing it some extra information, which is required from the first state to the second state, so that the second state can work on that information and the chain can go on.
0: Wow. Very nice. You mentioned about this uh, switch case statement that made me nostalgic during the my programming days yeah. <laughs> when we started learning c language right it is operators uh, plus minus uh, modulus and all and uh, send that uh, to this particular switch case and execute it <laughs> yeah very interesting yeah. all right so now let's talk some best practices okay within the embedded system software development what I'd like to share with our audience
1: the single most uh, golden rule i would say please understand the requirements Many a times I have seen not only as a root cause for the bugs, but also with respect to the quality of the code that was developed and also the clarity of the code that was developed is suffering many of the times because the requirement was not properly understood. When I say the requirement has to be understood, when it means do not have any assumptions. If you have any assumptions, spell it out very clearly and talk with all the stakeholders. Do you mean this? Do you want this? I am thinking like this. Will something which client wants? So this is one thing which um, say a lot. And the second thing is into uh, process. I know that when somebody is asked to do one, two, three, four, five activities for every small code change or something, they say they feel that oh man, what is this? You are making me go crazy by. Repeating the same thing again and again. For those people, I would I would say that people do not put process just for the sake of having a process. They 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 did it without a process maybe some time back, and they saw roadblocks. It is just a mechanism to not reinvent the wheel to solve a particular problem. Just follow the process. Initially, it will be tough, but the moment you see the result, so Esther, I learned something very unique. Uh, from one of my mentors called what is, what is in it for me if I have to ask and answer to a person who is saying that I do not like process so much I would tell there is a lot in it for you when you adhere to the process it will save you tomorrow so many hardships or so many difficulties uh, and I used to always say you know, a very funny thing in my office and with my juniors please write a code so much uh, so well and extend possible that first thing Your future version itself will not scold you and another human who looks at your code will not scold you. If you can ensure these things, you are good with your coding and you are satisfying the requirement.
0: Very enchanting thoughts over there. I loved uh, every bit of it. Something which will resonate with me for quite long is, your future version should not scold you and others should not scold you when you are writing code. And I would like to Share something from my process hat because I served as a enterprise uh, PMO leader during my stint with GE and you know how the program management office works, right? We give them a set of uh, deliverables and which everybody has to adhere to and all. Honestly, that is sounds so rigorous, but there are so many benefits out of it. So in your terms, right, we can avoid the code debt or the technical debt in case if you are following the process. So I resonate with you on that. Great. So, after this very inspiring conversation, I'm sure most of our audience will would like to become an embedded software engineer. So, Vamsi, I would like to you to share with our audience how someone can become an embedded software engineer.
1: First, obviously, be a voracious reader and not reading of books, which is also needed, but read a lot of code. We are now living in a world, we are very fortunate actually, I should say, Uh, More than fortunate, we are blessed because people have contributed so much amount of code in open source that you do not need a book. You just need to know that language in which you want to program. And then Google to show you embedded projects in C. You will get so much amount of code. And like uh, for the first time, when you read the code, you may not understand anything because every embedded code will have a lot of dependency on hardware. Uh, if some register is being modified and so there will be macros you can look at the code the header files and other things and you can ma- you can make out what is happening there so it will build a mental model and it will give a feel of what embedded software typically looks like is as much as maybe uh, me do an example uh, there is a stark difference between people who are let's say from china and from india and many a times have some of my friends who are from uh, north eastern part of uh, our country, they, they, they are confused coming from China or some other part. So, in the same way, we also say that even within northern part of our country, by looking at some person, by seeing their name, we can make out which part of the country they are typically may not be 100% accurate. So, reading this code will develop that uh, something what I heard real recently called as idea muscle. So, they say idea muscle uh, that we need to develop. It, yeah, if you don't develop it will just stay like that but you keep on uh, feeding it with uh, very uh, ideas that you uh, get from reading the code then it starts to evolve and it starts to create its own different ideas and patterns after that choose one hardware which is very simple to handle nowadays uh, people can uh, pick up arduino arduino you know uh, which is it's the cheapest one and uh, you can start off with very quickly the uh, uh, idea muscle is built, and the patterns in the embedded software are known, uh, and the hardware is also available. Lot of YouTube videos and lot of uh, literature spread across uh, internet. You can pick up and uh, can start. Uh, there, I have seen people who are coming from a computer science background start with embedded. They are more comfortable, uh, so-called uh, real-time operating system, and just coding, and they try to understand only the requirement that small fragment of hardware knowledge that is required and they say that oh my job is done okay i coded it is working unit test is passing but it is good to have an understanding of electronics a basic uh, knowledge of electronics and uh, uh, something like uh, able to read small amount of schematics at least to understand what the schematics trying is trying to say it is is as much as uh, when you when you go to um, a dentist the the cross-section of a and if, a dentist, if the dentist is not able to read the cross-section, then what, what is fun in that person being called a dentist? You should at least be able to identify the parts of the teeth, right? So in the same way, somebody who is coming into embedded domain uh, should have basic footing, so should, should dabble in those areas of uh, a little bit about hardware, need not be very proficient, but they should be able to sit in... Co- See, why I'm trying to tell all these things is uh, software development uh, need not, is is not actually writing code, it's, it is, it is 80% conversation with people, communicating with people. Now, when you're communicating with people, mine and every discipline has its own vocabulary. Now, when this vocabulary is thrown at you in the meetings, people assume or may not assume, that's a different thing. But in meeting, if these terms are thrown at you, at least you should be in a position to comprehend what is being discussed. Otherwise, you will get lost. And this sort of getting lost in meetings; these have very serious repercussions. That once you reach to your table and your fingers are on the keyboard, you don't know what to do. All this time, you while you were in the meeting, but then you are supposed to do something. You are in front of your monitor and your keys, is, your hands are on the fingers are on the keyboard, but you do not know what to do in the precise manner. So get to know the vocabulary, I would say yes uh, you need to work a little bit more than application engineers it might be a controversial statement but embedded engineers have to work a little bit more than uh, application engineers the thing is uh, once you learn the basics your life is almost done you, you you only have to sharpen the axe you don't you don't have to buy a new weapon but application engineers every two years the language may change the framework may change and you need to have a new weapon you have to have upgradation of weapons but here Trust the age-old C language, dig deep into it, sharpen your skills every day. That's more than enough.
0: Sharpen the axe or sharpen the weapon rather than buying a new weapon. Great analogy. I I see a lot of analogy to uh, real-time things and also I think you will make uh, a good, uh, I would say, in case if you want to uh, switch your profile or job. I'm really enjoying every bit of it so far. And uh, since you touched about C language, are there any other popular languages that are used in embedded world?
1: C++ also is being used. Uh, mm. I, I, I once went into some conference, uh, not conference, but a, it's a precursor for a conference for Python. Uh, there I met one person uh, who was mentioning that something with respect to Python uh, in embedded domain. Mm. I'm not much familiar with that. When it, when it, if, I, if I have to think loud why he saying that uh, it could be because uh, there is an operating system and at, at least there should be an interpreter which can interpret the Python language. And after interpretation, yes, it could be like uh, you are going to write a five volts uh, indication or you are going to write a one bit one into one of the registers which can drive five volts to illuminate an LED. Maybe from the pyth- from Python, you can do that. The interpreter can convert it to into the equivalent register operation. I see, it, it is again, uh, I, uh, I am not into that research part of thing and I do not uh, think, uh, I do not have understanding about that uh, latest trends with respect to what language is being used in embedded systems and um, other things. Uh, C++ I understand that it is being used, I had discussions with some people, Python I heard, but to what extent uh, that leading edge uh, literature uh, I haven't seen. But Definitely these all will come with a cost, which is uh, more memory usage. And today, uh, memory is available, but let me tell you, memory is cheap, but it's not free.
0: Excellent, excellent inputs and uh, fabulous conversation so far. So we have been talking a lot about the embedded world and how to become an embedded software engineer. Now let us uh, shift our gears and uh, slightly lighten up the mood of this conversation so far. And uh, maybe we can jump into a quick rapid fire session. I'm going to ask you. A few interesting questions and wherein you can answer them very crisply if you're ready we'll get started I all right ready. great let's go <laughs> great so let me fire the very first bullet out of uh, the rapid fire once given a chance to time travel would you like to travel to the past or the future, future. okay future, fair enough future. fair enough <laughs> all right so given that you are a tech geek right i'm very interested to understand what is one technology or the gadget that you would like to see?
1: Automatic uh, cooking machine.
0: <laughs> Great. <laughs> Interesting. And uh, you, you know what I think about this one? It's about uh, a, a machine that can feed children. You know how difficult it is to feed children, right? And every mom undergoes, yeah, yeah, especially yeah. during the first three to four years of Age and all, right? <laughs> Interesting. Let me move Thank on to you. the next question. So, Vamsi, what is one random skill that you would like to learn apart from the coding technology space and all? Something beyond your job. Farming. Wow. Great. All right. Let me move on. What has been a question on your mind for which you never got an answer for?
1: The rapid fire round and the question that always bother me is, uh, I
0: always minds.
1: Can generate ideas. People build theories, but I want to understand what is that thing because of which mind can generate an idea. I get a lot of answers, but yes,
0: that's a thing. You you are making me curious as well about that. (laughs) Wonderful. So let me find the last bullet out of the rapid fire. Given a chance, which celebrity would you like to meet?
1: Richard Stallman.
0: Richard Stallman. For
1: me, he's a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah, he's a father of Free Software Foundation, and I would like to meet him.
0: Wow. And wish you good luck. I'm sure you'll meet him one day. So this has been enchanting rapid fire. With that, uh, let me flip back to the mainstream and ask you one final question for today's session. So Vamsi, what will be your one piece of advice to those aspiring to make big in their careers? Uh,
1: Try to acquire, which is a, it's also a note to me, uh, try to acquire uh, knowledge at a deeper level. Surface level things are always temporary in nature, and the the knowledge uh, not only addresses the intellectual gratification, but after crossing and after reaching some depths, it will somewhere touch the soul at an intellectual level. Uh, it, may, it may sound a little bit philosophical, but then uh, you, you have that moment where you are you just have they say that I I felt, I experienced. So that deep work can bring that uh, moments of happiness. Then you then I think. Um, as if the technology is something uh, that came just for you and you are the most eligible person to know about that. Not uh, not as an entitlement but as a
0: privilege. Wow. Such a profound set of thoughts. Vamsi, this has been an excellent conversation and I thoroughly enjoyed every bit of it. Thank you so much for being part of TGV's journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe.
1: Sure, sure. Thanks a lot, Naveen and uh, for considering me to share my thoughts uh, for the betterment of uh, software developer fraternity, especially embedded
0: folks. Absolutely. Pleasure hosting you. Thanks again for being part of our journey. So folks, before we move on to the previous section, right, here is a request from my side in case if you have enjoyed this conversation, just like I did request you to share with any of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from this show. Thank you so much in advance. With that, let me move into the previous section of today's episode. And today, I'm not going to share an interesting fact. Rather, I would ask you a question from the conversation itself. Here comes my question. What are the top programming languages that are used for building embedded system software? Are you thinking that they are C and C++? If that is true, then you are right. All right. So thank you so much for tuning in. There's so much in store. That's all for today. However, we'd like to hear comments and feedback from you and also kind of topics that you like to cover us as part of the guiding voice. And we'll definitely do every bit to bring in best of the best speakers across the world. Thank you so much again. Take care. Be safe. Until next time. Bye-bye. We're signing off for today. See you all in the next episode with another wonderful guest and cover some amazing stuff.